0: Welcome to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we discuss all things related to physical preparation, from rehab, to performance preparation, to education. Hello everyone, welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Um, I'm Dr. John Herding, here with Dr. Nick Perugini. How's it going, guys? And Coach Rob Rabina, How are you doing? And today we're going to talk about training pro athletes. Um, We all know Coach Rob Rabina is a stud in this realm, and um, this year he was lucky enough to coach um, just about 40 professional baseball players, um, not counting some of the pro athletes he does see from some other sports. Um, So basically what we want to um, talk about today is give you guys some insight in how to get pro athletes. If you... Um, want to train them, um, what the perception is versus reality, and talking about um, pro athletes, it's their job, so it needs to be approached in that way. Um, so Rob, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Um, the whole world wants to know, how did you get to train so many pro baseball guys, um, and, and were there specific tips and tools or things that you would suggest young coaches that want to train pro athletes um, focus on?
1: Yeah, so I think when it comes to training pro athletes, my uh I can just start with how I got started. Not not sure this is the right way to go about it or this is something that I would recommend, but this is just what I did. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, um you first have to be really good at what you do. Um so that's where educating yourself, taking courses, um reading books, videos, observing other coaches perform Um, what they do, you know, just improving your overall skill as a strength coach is probably uh, the first thing that you have to, they have to do. Um, Because if you're not good at what you do, then no one's going to want to come see you. Um, After that, you have to have a good supporting cast around you from, you know, whether it's facility, extra staff, um, you know, to make sure that you're in the right setup to, to draw and to help pro athletes. Um, for example, not many pro athletes want to go to some big commercial gym, you know, they just don't want to be bothered by that. So make sure that you're in the right setup and setting to attract athletes. Um, after that, pretty much um, my story is I was at a, I'll the MSI, there was one or two or three pro athletes currently training there. And um, at when I started, I started with those couple, I think my first all season, I think I had four pro athletes. Um, you know, and then, uh, from there, uh, went to over the summer training college athletes. And then the following off season, we had, a, I think I doubled to 10 in my second season. Um, and then the following off season doubled again. And now, you know, we're in our, we're in our six, six off season where we saw 40 athletes every day. So I think it's, you know, over time, it's, it's about growth and recognizing that, Hey, like it's okay to train one or two or three or four, you know, elite athletes, um, and recognize that hey, it does take some time. Um, things that have helped me is is obviously when you're when you do this for a long time, you will see athletes go from high school to pros, from high school to college to pro. You get to be with athletes through through their journey, and you know you can you can get athletes that way. Um, I think also the biggest thing that has helped me is is just word of mouth and referrals and how you get those two ways of getting athletes is again, by doing a good job and providing a service that that pro athletes like to do. Um, You know, so that's, those have been the two avenues for me that have really helped me grow my pro athlete um, clientele, Um, not through social media, not through, you know, going to spring training games. Like, I haven't haven't done any of those things. And You know, there's this X number of clients that I have. So, I mean, that's that's my quick story about how I've gotten the athletes to where I'm at um, and some of the recommendations that I would have um, about how you get pro athletes. Again, like, you know, be in a good setting, you know, have the right people around you uh, and do a kick-ass job. Because in reality, if you do a bad job um, or you're not intelligent, then no one's going to want to come see it that simple
2: Rob what were what were some of the things you know if you were to you know rewind you know five years back right and and before you've you know really had experience working with pro athletes maybe what were some of the you know beliefs or expectations that you had about working with professional athletes and then you know as you started to gain experience working with those athletes one of the What are some of the things that maybe, like, how, you know, how your, your outlook on working with professional athletes, how has that changed over time?
1: Yeah, I mean, when I first started, I first thought that I had to be watching every single rep, every single exercise, you know, I was like, and almost, oh, my God, like, this is a pro athlete. What do I do? I don't want to get them worse. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to. Make sure I want to make sure the technique's go at all times. Um, so I was, you know, a little bit I would say over the top with some of my maybe coaching, a little bit too hovering, if that makes sense. Uh, where you know, as I've grown and have been around pro athletes more, you know, having a little bit of feel is, is probably something that I have adjusted with and has have adapted my. Training and coaching style, you know, and by having feel, that just means, you know, knowing that hey, most pro athletes move pretty well. You know, they're already the one percent of the one percent when it comes to their sport. Sometimes that applies to their movement and exercise, and sometimes that doesn't. You know, but for the most part, they move pretty well. Um, you tell them to do something, they're going to do it right. You know, fairly quickly. Um, so I think just understanding the culture and The, you know, just that they don't need a hovering coach all the time has been something that I've learned and adapted over over time. And, you know, realize that these people are just regular people. They're just like you and me. They're just like high school athletes. You know, they're just really good at their sport. So, you know, I think as long as you understand why they're in the building, understand, you know, hey, you're still going to build relationships with them. You're still going to care about them just like you would any other athlete. I think that's something that, you know, just, you just continue to do what you do, whether you, you meet someone that makes $4 million a year or they make $100,000 a year. You know, you're going to treat them the same, just like you would any other athlete that enters the gym. Um, you know, you can't be, in, can't be in awe or, you know, can't be in shock if someone comes to your gym that makes a lot of money or is really good at their sport. Yeah. So, again, that's just like having some feel and realizing that, hey, look, they're just like another guy, and you have to treat him like that.
0: I I think that's a huge point you just made, Rob. I think um, they are just like every other guy and they're coming to you for your expertise, right? Um, Some of them know a lot about training and have been training for a while. And some of them have don't know anything about training and maybe just started training when they got drafted. Right. Um, But I think that's a, that's a huge piece of it where um, that just not to get off topic, but building culture in your gym, you're treating the seventh grader the same as you're treating guy making a couple million the first round draft pick right and i and i think people um, respect that and i think they appreciate it um and you see that even as some of these guys making millions of dollars are interacting um with some of these younger guys um i think you're through just treating everyone equally you've built a good culture in the gym um and it shows and i think that's why word of mouth is spread people have fun people um, enjoy working out. Um, the facilities are great, but I think um, you could have all the f- best facilities in the world and the best equipment. but if you don't have the feel to treat guys like they want to be treated, then I think you're not gonna um, you're not gonna spread word by word of mouth.
2: Rob, I really liked uh, just circling back there. what you said about. You know, kind of early on in those stages when you started working with professional athletes, how, you know, you felt like it almost required you to be, you know, more on top of them and hovered. And, you know, uh, Doug Kegajan from Resilient, he uses the term, you know, movement neuroticism where we're almost hyper-focused on technique, hyper-focused on form and you know you kind of you know expressed how early on that might have been the case because you know we really want to make sure everything is is being done correctly because the reality is there's a lot on the line and uh i think that was it was it's 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 good to hear you say like that evolution of hey it's almost like you got to let these guys figure things out sometimes and you have to let the the system adapt you know and the, and the system you know problem solve and, uh, and, you know, I've seen that firsthand and in, in, in how you operate with that. And, and you're almost giving the guys the freedom, you know, and, uh, and, you know, the ability to, to, again, figure it out. And uh, that's, that's a really cool, you know, piece of insight that I think is, is helpful for a lot of coaches and physical therapists just to kind of understand that, that process as you know if someone's in a good situation with an appropriate load you know the goal isn't necessarily having the same technique every single time and and being hyper obsessed with that technique
1: yeah no i mean i think that's that's just having some feel i think and especially in baseball it's so important because you know these guys got to that level for a reason you know so during your initial evaluation then like like you know, hey, like this isn't, they're not doing my program. They're doing their program. I'm helping them through that process. And I explained that early on. It's like, hey, like you tell me what you like, you tell me what you don't like because you've gotten here for a reason. Let's continue to do what you have done to make you successful. And I'll help and provide my guidance as I see necessary. Um, and again, that's just having fuel where it's like, hey, like I'm going to completely overhaul what got you here. Like that's that's not what. It's not what people want. That's not what they want. They, they they want to know that you're on their team, that you're in their corner, and you're going to do everything possible to help them. And that's how I approach pro players is, you know, Hey, like I know you guys are really good at what you do. It, yes. I care. Yes. I understand, you know, but at the same time, everyone gets treated the same um, whether you're a big leaguer making millions of dollars or you're a 29th round draft pick, like you're going to get all my attention um, whenever you're on the floor, uh, Going, going to get coached yeah. how about um you know rob but kind of
2: again you know we mentioned you know going into it I, I know my my experience is just at the at the collegiate level you know going into the uh you know world i had some experience in in group training and, and personal training and i had this big expectation like oh man i'm gonna be working with d1 athletes they're gonna step into the weight room and absolutely crush it and be great movers and be big, strong, fast, athletic, you know, have great uh, awareness and body control. You know, what were some of the things that, you know, you, you, you thought before you started working with professional athletes and then some of the things that you maybe have realized or have found since, you know, working with them?
1: Yeah. I mean, when I first, like, again, like when I first started working with them, I thought that, you know, they, they all needed lots of help and lots of coaching and, I think over time, I've realized that, hey, like, most of them move pretty well. Um, You know, I think that's one thing. Another thing is, like, I don't know how to explain this, but I think I thought most pro athletes would be really strong, and most of them aren't, especially in the sport of baseball, where, like, I have pro athletes that throw 90-plus that can't deadlift 300 pounds, and I have athletes that throw 90-plus and can deadlift 400 pounds. So you know it just goes to show that like strength specifically strength might not be the the thing that you have to they have to go after especially with a pro athlete um, you know if you have someone and I think this just this, this comes back to the evaluation and I think this is you know pretty much my job when it comes to an evaluation with a pro athlete is let's find something, let's find the lowest hanging fruit that they're not good at and let's like bring that up to the other other areas that they are here to train. For example, like I'm finding their weakest link, you know, if they can't, uh, you know, specifically working with pro athletes, they can't, you know, uh, they don't have any hip internal rotation. then that's going to be something that we're going to have to fix because when they swing and throw, they need hip internal rotation, you know, so we have to find what they're not good at and try to correct it and fix it. And, And early on, that was something that I didn't really, you know, I just thought, hey, like, let's just keep getting strong. And that's what I did with college athletes. That's what I did with high school athletes. But when you work with pro athletes, you have to find that one thing that you think is holding them back, and you attack it. So it
0: sounds yeah. like you're doing a lot of enhancing um, of, a, of their program, right? <clears throat> like you're, you're finding that one thing that enhances what they like to do or what they've been doing. or like, You're not drastically changing programs for the most part.
1: For the most part, no. Um, now, you can make the argument that, like, Rob, why aren't you attacking something that they're really good at already? In my opinion, I just don't think that's the way to go. Um, for example, I've had lots of athletes come to me, um, pro athletes, that have trained with other trainers before, and just say their squat and deadlift are really, really, really good. You know, they're already really strong. Um, but they might not have spent a lot of time doing single leg training. So we're just going to crush single leg training and, you know, maintain or improve a little bit in our bilateral exercises. So, yeah, you know, the, the program is going to be adjusted a little bit, but I like to do things that I think is going to help them the most, and that's sometimes doing what they haven't done, um, provide them a stimuli with something that they aren't good at because they're already really good at X, so I'm going to give them Y. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I really like that, Rob. And, you know, I kind of, you know, you hear people say, like, focus on your strengths. Um, in some ways. And, you know, sometimes physically, that may not be the, that may not be the case. Um, you know, maybe, maybe professionally or, or in other realms of life that may, that may be beneficial. You know, physically, it's like, hey, these guys obviously have a superpower, right? That's got them to where they need to be. And that superpower can be the thing that, that gets them to that level, but it also can be the thing that, you know, leads them into, into trouble. And being able to manage that superpower or their ranks, you know, it sounds like it's something that you're keeping tabs on by you know when it's time to eat and when it's time to perform let it let it rip you know when we're in the gym and when we're training and, and trying to build adaptations like kind of keeping that under wraps and, and focusing on some other some other areas no doubt. No doubt.
0: love it um so rob what about so with these guys obviously it's their job but you're seeing them for the most part your professional baseball players are coming in october they're not leaving until like mid to late February, so they're um, they're training almost exclusively for uh, those four, five, six months. Um, how do you approach their programming and your interactions with them when they're coming in and it's their job versus some of the the high school or middle school, high school, college kids where they they may not um, be treating it accordingly.
1: Yeah, I mean, when like when someone's job is to is to work out, like. That that's, that's very telling. Like that tells me that like they're gonna spend a lot of time and a lot of money on my expertise. So so the service I have to provide has to match that. Um, you know, generally from a pro player standpoint, how I would progress their programming, uh, obviously starts off with initial valuation. You know, but there, that first month of the of the off season is realizing what they went through in the in season. Lots of bus rides, plane rides, lots of baseball, lots of sport activity, and, you know, not a lot of sleep, not the greatest nutrition, you know. Um, They work out maybe once or twice a week, if that. Um, So their bodies just beat up from playing the sport of baseball for, you know, from March to October. So that first program is, is pretty basic. Um, maybe a GPP type workout for those who are familiar with that. Um, basic exercises. You know, you can look at that first workout and be like, this is what you're giving a pro athlete because it looks pretty basic. It looks pretty simple. Um, but at that same time, you have to realize that this person's coming in deconditioned, not fit, not strong, out of shape, no aerobic capacity, and you have to you have to provide those stimuli to to get them back to that elite fitness level. And when you think about it, you only have about 16 weeks. That's not that long. Um, and I think one thing that I've changed and have come to realize with 16 weeks is, you know, a lot of coaches love to program deloads. And this is one thing I've completely changed with my pro athletes over time. Is you know I would maybe hit like a light deload every every four weeks or so. You know. Um, and if you think about that, what I lose is uh, almost four weeks of training. Yeah, yeah a, a deload has its, has its place, has its purpose. But if you think about going from 16 to 12 weeks of training, you lose out on four weeks of high training stimuli. Not worth it, in my opinion. Um, do they get deloads here and there during the winter, during Christmas, during Thanksgiving? Do they get a day or two or three here? Absolutely they do. Um, and we're always monitoring and seeing how guys are feeling. If they're feeling tired, we'll back the program up. But the program just progresses and attacks guys' weaknesses uh, throughout the off season to help them play professional baseball. Um, you know, whereas a high school athlete, like, I might have them for three months. You know, same kind of time frame, roughly. Um, and again, we're we're building all areas of fitness, strength, power, speed, mobility, um, you know, to help them play at their level. They're just not getting paid to do it. And and that's that's the biggest difference is you know, these guys are getting paid to work out. So your workouts have to have to accommodate that.
0: Well, I think it's very interesting, Rob. You said you're pretty much getting you're getting a deconditioned athlete after the season, right? So when you talked about you, you only have 16 weeks to train them um, and then taking out deloads because it takes you twelve, you're really spending the first four weeks getting them back up to a level of conditioning that sure. they can train, right? Um, yeah you know, so you know, like you said like athletes when they come back from their season they're not necessarily in the best shape they're run down they're beat up long season yeah. not yep. the best nutrition not the best travel um so you're really trying to clean all that stuff up to prepare them to hit the weight room hard
1: correct correct yeah. and, and and most guys i think appreciate that most guys are really tired after the after the first day after the second day after the first week and you know, they're just not accustomed to the style of workouts, and, and you have to you have to accommodate that.
0: Yeah, that's good insight.
1: So.
2: Rob, do you th- are you feeling or seeing that you know the the level of you know ball player that uh you know you're working with is maybe handling you know the other things in their life a little differently, like you know sleep, diet you know, stress management, you know, are you seeing a correlation between, you know, guys that may be a higher level kind of taking these little things um, in reality, big things a little bit more seriously, or, you know, or what, what kind of trends have you seen um, in regards to, into, to those lifestyle factors?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first lifestyle factor that I also forgot to mention is their job is super high stress. If you think about what a minor league baseball player has to go through, like they have to make a team each year. They have to take someone else's job to get a promotion. To go from high A to double A, someone has to, someone has to drop down. You know, you can't just – not everyone makes it to the big leagues. So understanding that high-stress job is, is first and foremost. And, and what comes along with that is, is, is a lot of the the uh, sports psych. I think a lot of pro players are very interested in that. Um, you know, so I, I think some have – I start to see some trends that have spoken to their sports psychologist with their team and just have helped them along the process of, hey, realizing that not every baseball player can um, handle the stress of a job by themselves and that's totally okay. Um, I think that's one thing I've seen over the years that more players have kind of gravitated towards. Um, Nutrition, it's always been a struggle. I think we're seeing some teams start to make some improvements in that area. Um, but from an individual standpoint, you know, they're just like any other person. They're they're going to struggle uh, with their nutrition. Um, you know, that's why we have some good people around us. Uh, we work with Cat Hammer, who's, who's tremendous when it comes to nutrition training with um, pro athletes. So I think, you know, those would be some areas that I would look at to see some improvement in, the sports psych, nutrition, and the sleep is, I mean, <laughs> the, the sleep's always going to be a struggle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But is, do you think that's more of a struggle with pro athletes versus just general population even?
1: I think it's, everyone's the same when it comes to that. You know, these guys are up all night <laughs> playing video games on their phones. The same thing they high school athletes. What life? <laughs>
0: video <laughs> games and baseball.
1: About- awesome.
0: Nice. Cool. Um, any other insight, Rob, that you want to share, um, as far as training pro athletes is, um, you know, it doesn't sound like it's all it's cracked up to be, but we definitely have fun treating these guys and training them. And um, it's sad. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's fun to see them come in and sad to see them leave. And I know this time of year right now, March, not 2020, we definitely we miss them right now.
1: No, no doubt. I mean, it's great training pro athletes. I would recommend going to observe pro athletes train. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a coach that wants to train those athletes, like, you know, obviously come see how I do it. Go look at some other facilities that have high volume for athletes. You know, um, and to look at the culture, look at how the guys, you know, look at the systems, look at the operations, um, and then you know, go from there. Um, but yeah, that's tough. It's tough. It's tough seeing guys leave. I hate saying, uh, see, you know, see you in November when it's yep. when it's February. Like that's tough. It's tough.
0: Yep. All right. So. Um, good stuff today, guys. Um, as always, everyone, thank you again for listening to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. I'm Dr. John Herding with Dr. Nick Paragini and Coach Rob Rubina. If you want us to cat- hit on any topics, please email me at john j o n at precisionperformancept.com. And um, we look forward to having you listen again. Please share. Thanks a lot. Bye. Did you know... We now offer personalized remote programming, one-on-one video telehealth sessions, and mentorships for both students and professionals. If you're interested in any one of these, please email john at j-o-n at precisionperformancept.com, and he can help you get started today.